We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince D'Addario. That's Ryan Roberts. We are sans Brian Driscoll today because if anybody lives in our neck of the woods, you know that we had a heck of a storm last night and Brian's uh, electricity fell victim to that. So we are picking up the mantle for Brian Driscoll and we are happy to do so. Ryan, how are you doing today, man? How how was, you know, we had 90, you know, wind gusts and furniture flying all over the place, you know, last night in the backyard. It was a lot of fun, but uh, how are things in your neck of the woods? Everything's good here. Uh, we had we had the big storms overnight yesterday, like going okay. into yesterday. So that was kind of when the big storm hit. But otherwise, I'm good, man. It's, uh, nice. you know, another beautiful Tuesday afternoon <laughs> in New Jersey. Yeah, well, I don't know if I'd use the word beautiful here. It is currently 93 degrees with a real feel of about 103 and uh, I was out all morning working, so uh, I'm happy to be in the elements of the air conditioning. There's no question about that. Glad that I don't yeah. live in the, the 1800s and the air conditioning is a normal thing. So uh, oh, I man. would not have survived. I'm just going to be honest with you. So I, I had to take the daughter to uh, to to uh, daycare this morning, and it was like 75 at like 7:30 <laughs> in the morning. Yes. I'm like, what is this life right now? Yeah, what is <laughs> happening? Why do I feel sticky the second I walk out the door? So. Yes, so that is what's going on over here in northern Indiana. It is hot, it is sticky, and it's going to be that way for the next couple of days. So happy to be indoors. But that is not the topic of today's show. But I will also say, before we jump into this too far, last night we kicked off uh, a new show, the Irish Breakdown, or Irish IB Nation Sports Talk. I got to make sure I get that. I got to get to rolling off the tongue uh, with Sean Styers, and I was on there with him as well. And it was an awesome show. So I highly recommend people go back and take a look at that. We'll be on again tonight at six o'clock and every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, six to seven ish, because we went to like 7 20 last night. Great interview last night with former Notre Dame baseball coach Paul Maneri. And it was Paul is such a great interview. He was the last Notre Dame coach to take Notre Dame to the College World Series. Now he and Link Jarrett can share that claim at Notre Dame. 
as they are headed in that direction as well. So make sure you check out that show last night. Make sure you check out today's version of the show. Really pumped up about that. Uh, Mace AK has a comment. Yeah, and Vince was wearing Michigan colors during Sean's show. Hashtag puke. And today, inadvertently, I have Tennessee colors on. So because Gatorade. I mean, it is what it is. So, uh, so yeah, make sure you check out the show tonight. We're having a blast. Uh, it's just completely different than the afternoon show. So anybody that was there, hope you guys enjoyed it and hope you guys are back tonight. Uh, a lot of fun stuff. We got a little Top Gun we're going to talk about tonight. So and, and believe it or not, we are going to parlay the Top Gun into Notre Dame football. So Did, have you only, seen the movie? Have you oh, seen yes. It? oh, yes. Oh, yes. I didn't, I didn't oh, see it. Oh, it I was fantastic. It. it was better than the first one. Personal really? opinion. Personal oh, opinion. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely take. Take take some time to go see that. I know you're knee deep into the childhood thing with the little guys, but I took my son, and I, of course I made him watch the '86 one uh, as well. So that was fun. That was fun. But we, anyway, we went we went to, we went to go see Jurassic World, not to go off on Ooh, a tangent. So nice. we saw Jurassic World at least. So we're nice. not completely out of date, but yeah, we haven't seen Top Gun yet. No, I that's next on our list for sure. Uh, we want to see Jurassic uh, World as well, and. You know, there's like a period of time when and anybody that has kids will understand this. When you have little kids, there's a period of time where like the adult movies, you have no idea what was playing for a few years because you just don't get out. And that is definitely the case for us when we had little ones. But now I can take my kid. So, you know, it's good. It's it's all good. But let's jump into today's topic. So uh, all the magazines are out. You got Lindy's, you got Athlon, you've got Phil Steele, you've got all these magazines, these preseason magazines where they go through and they rank the different position groups and things of that nature. And we're going to kind of discuss Lindy's and Athlon. We're going to, we're going to single out those two. We're going to talk defense today. So we're going to talk about where Lindy's and Athlon ranked the defensive position groups. And then there's also some individual position rankings as well. So we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk a little bit about where you and I would rank these position groups two different ways, one going into the season, and then one if they play the way we think they should play, where they will be ranked when the season is over. So a little projection, a little prognostication as well. So we're we're just going to dive right in, and we're going to go in order. We're going to go front to back. We're going to start with the big guys on the defensive line, Ryan I will give the stats that Lindy's and Athlon gave the defensive line. I think that you and I could probably agree that the defensive line is the strength of the defense. I don't think that's hugely arguable, and both publications tend to agree with that. Lindy's has the defensive line ranked fourth overall in the country as a defensive line. Athlon has the defensive line ranked seventh overall. So little bit of a difference there, but this is, a little foreshadowing, the only group that is ranked in both Lindy's and Athlon, which I thought was very interesting. So let's talk defensive line. Uh, oh, I, also, I will say that Lindy's does a position player ranking as well, and they've got Isaiah Foskey as the number three defensive end in their rankings. So I'm sure that helps their fourth place overall ranking. Do you feel like the defensive line is a top 10, top five, top three? Where where do you rank this defensive line going into the weekend? Or I mean, going into the season, excuse me. Yeah, this show actually came at a perfect time because, I mean, we were talking before the show and I got Lindy's yesterday. So I was kind of combing through everything yesterday and I was looking at it and 
for people that don't have that one specifically, they have Clemson, LSU, Baylor, and then Notre Dame coming in at fourth. And Vince, honestly, when you kind of dissect a little bit of the, the the teams in front of them, I would argue that Notre Dame's a top three team in, in that capacity, right? So I actually think they're ranked a little bit low in both of them, to be honest with you, because, I mean, there's a – I know we'll talk a little bit more about this, but, like, Clemson has Brian Brissy, they have Miles Murphy, they have Xavier Thomas, they have K.J. Henry, it's a Tyler Davis. It's a fantastic defensive line. I don't think anybody has a real argument against Clemson. But I can make an argument against LSU. I can make an argument against Baylor. So I actually think Notre Dame's defensive line, I mean, seventh is crazy to me. Like, that is extremely disrespectful, in my opinion. And I think fourth is even a little bit low, to be very honest with you. Yeah. So I think they were both kind of lowballed a little bit on the defensive line ranking. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of guys on the defensive line that have not gotten the national love that they should be getting up to this point. I feel like, you know, Jason Adamilola, Justin Adamilola, uh, Riley Mills, for for example, I think those three guys in particular are getting no love whatsoever nationally, right? I think, I think Jason gets a little bit, but he doesn't get enough. I mean, there, there's no question. His twin brother, J- Justin, clearly doesn't get enough. And I think Riley Mills is going to explode onto the stage as well. So when you think of Notre Dame's defensive line and depending on how deep these guys are going into the depth chart and how much they're actually paying attention, you know, where do they, you know, is it just Isaiah Foskey and everybody else? You know what I mean? Is that why they're ranked seventh? Because Isaiah Foskey is clearly a, a, a great talent. Don't get me wrong. He's a first round talent in the NFL draft. So is it him and everybody else? Is it just him in depth? You know, how are the I want to know how these guys are looking at it because I agree with you. I think seventh is is lowballing it for sure. I could be talked into fourth going into the season. Right. And I'd be okay with that, you know, pending the argument. But I would also say that coming out of the season, if things go the way we think that they're gonna go, I think that they do much better than fourth for sure. Well, I think when you look at 
So from a national perception perspective, right? Like Isaiah Foskey is obviously the long real commodity, right? Because like you said, I mean, I put, I put it on Twitter last week in a, a clip of Jason Adam, a little actually absolutely just obliterating USC offensive line, which I know wasn't, wasn't good last year, but for my money, Jason Adam Malola is the most underrated defensive lineman in college football. I, agree. I mean, the kid, I thought he was fantastic last year, Vince. Like he's not, the stats need to come more, like he needs to be a more productive player. He needs to finish a little bit more, but he was just so disruptive last year, man. He made a lot of plays. And even going back to two years ago in that playoff game against Alabama, I mean, he gave them everything that they could handle. So Completely I think agree, he's incredibly yeah. underrated. Yeah, I, I mean... I think that from a national perspective, you just know Isaiah Foskey, and then you look at the box score and say, like, oh, Adam Alou is a good player, but, like, is he a difference maker? I would say, yes, he's potentially a difference maker on the defensive line. I, I really do think so. And then I think someone just put, you know, Justin is also underrated. Absolutely. No Justin doubt. Adam Alou, was he second on the team last year, Vince? Right? Yeah, second on the team in sacks. And he gets right. no love whatsoever because, I don't know, because he wasn't a starter or what the case is, but he gets yeah. zero love nationally. I mean, he gets a lot of love from IB. We, we sure. love the kid. There's no question, but zero love nationally, and that's a huge problem for me. I think if he was getting more respect, I think these numbers are higher as a whole, right, than they are at fourth and seventh. I, I absolutely agree with that. And, and I also would say, you know, we as people that cover the team, we kind of have a – we have a very high expectation of what Riley Mills is going to do this year, right, like as a breakout player – but and this is this is kind of pushing a little bit of the the heat off of national for a second here with these rankings is they don't really know what to expect of Riley Mills right like we cover the team so obviously they don't have like a deep understanding of we're going to expect this 6'5", 283 pound defensive end to just be a difference maker like we think that he can be so that's the projection part of it but I think ultimately what is keeping them a little down on these lists is the fact that like you said the Adam Malolos are really underrated football yeah, players I absolutely. think Howard Cross is an underrated football player. So I think Isaiah Foskey gets his fanfare. He gets the national perception. No doubt. But I think that the problem is that there's just a lot of guys that kind of go under the radar for Notre Dame. Yes, I agree completely. So would, let's go Let's go with your preseason ranking for the defensive line and then hit me with your postseason ranking for the defensive line. I'm going to assume that it's going to go up. It'll probably go up for all three of these, I would imagine, if they play the way they're supposed to. But uh, where where do you see the defensive line? I would rank them third right now. So I'm only going to push them up one spot okay. just because, like I said before, Clemson's the no-brainer. They're going to be number one. LSU is the team that I think is a really good conversation piece because they have Jacqueline Roy, who's a really talented defensive tackle, coming back. They have a defensive end named Ali Gay, who's a talented player. Then they have B.J. Ojolari, who is Aziz Ojolari's younger brother. So they have a lot of dudes. I think they have more names, right? Like they're – more expectations for each of those three than there is from a one to three capacity for Notre Dame. But I think that they're in the ballpark. I'll give the slight nod to LSU at number two, just because again, BJ Ojolari is a known commodity. Jacqueline Roy is a known commodity. Ali Gay is a known commodity. You have Isaiah Foskey who national perception. When I say known commodity, you know, Isaiah Foskey, but the Adam Alola is just a little underrated, but I'll put them at three right now just because okay. I think that you can make the argument with LSU. So I'm not going to push back a ton there, but I ultimately think that they could be the number two team from a defensive line perspective after the season, because again, it's going to be hard to beat Clemson because we're talking about, and I'm talking about from an NFL draft perspective for a second here, Brian Brissett is a potential first round pick. 
Miles Murphy's a potential first round pick. Xavier Thomas is probably a draftable player. KJ Henry, Tyler Davis is for sure a draftable player. So, I mean, they go five deep. And then, I mean, they'll even go, I mean, they got a couple backup defensive tackles that are pretty good players as well. So I think the depth piece is just too much probably for Notre Dame to overtake it. But I can see Notre Dame finishing number two because I really do think that they have all the pieces to be a more impactful unit than LSU next year. And, I mean, they for sure should be against Baylor, who was number three on the Lindy's ranking here. Okay, I like that. For me, I like I said, I could be con- – Vinced about a number four ranking going into the season so i will say and i'm going to be my rankings are going to be more you know uh in a vacuum right like you know what that's a top five group that's a top three group that's a top 10 group you know that kind of a thing you know in any year so i'm i'm going to go with the defensive line as a top five group i think that they're more towards the four five range right now but i think if they have the season that we're talking about right if we're if they if Justin continues to do what he's doing and take even takes even a little bit of a step up, right? If Isaiah he takes a little bit of a step up, if Riley Mills takes the leap that we all think that he's going to take, if Jason, t- I think Jason's go- stats, I don't know if he's going to play better, but I just feel like his stats are going to be better. And so if that's the case, then they're going to be a higher ranked group, right? And then look at the depth, right? What else is everybody, you know, what's the depth going to do? Are they going to be able to, help that group out a little bit so I think that they're a top five group going in but I think they could very easily be a top two group going out okay yeah. so you know they're they're only raising two or three spots but at the same time that's a pretty massive leap when you're talking about top five to top two so I still think the defensive line is the best group on this defense I think they will rot you know as far as this defense goes is where the defensive line is going to take them right and so I think if they do everything we think that they're going to do, I've got them as a top two group by the end of the season. I mean, I think you can argue it because I think at least, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this one, Vince, but I know Lindy's. So Lindy's thing is they didn't rank Alabama. Like Will Anderson's not included in the defensive line rankings. They have him as a linebacker because they play that three, four, right? So mm-hmm. I think especially, I mean, if you had Alabama that had Will Anderson and Dallas Turner included with the interior players they are, then I think that, Maybe Notre Dame's, you know, more of a three to four team instead of a top two potential team. But I agree completely with that out of the equation. I think Clemson's really the only team that you can argue is just like better right now from a depth perspective than Notre Dame. They have so many good players on that Clemson defensive line. But I think that really severely underrates the fact that Isaiah Foskey's a dude. Jason Adamalola's a dude. Justin Adamalola is incredibly underrated. Riley, Riley Mills could be a dude. Howard Cross is quietly a really good player. Jacob right. Lacey's a good right. player when he's able to stay healthy. Like Notre Dame has incredible depth at the defensive line, and I'm excited for that unit. I think that I think that, that could be the best unit, offensive and defensive, for Notre Dame in 2022. I really would not be surprised if defensive line is a dominant team. That would be – that's a great topic for another show, by the way, ranking the position groups just at Notre Dame alone, Yeah. right? Take all the groups, offense, defense, and then rank them one through, what would it be, three, four? I think there's four on the offense, three, so one through seven, essentially. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a lot of fun. So uh, note to self, rank these <laughs> position groups. I think that's a show right there. But I, I think I, you'd be hard-pressed. I, I think that if you're, if you're going to rank the position groups going into the season, 
to me, it's going to be between the lines, frankly. It's going to be between the offense and the defensive line, and I think the defensive line has more a more proven commodity you know, going into the season to us, right? Although I'm really excited about where this offensive line is too. So that would be a fun debate, and I think that's something that we're going to do. We're going to have that debate moving forward. But uh, I wanted to pull this up real quick. Yes, Salt awesome. And Peanuts says, I will look forward to Notre Dame's defensive line playing way over Clemson's when they meet, and we can compare them in the same game. I agree completely. That's good There's no, no better barometer than seeing them in the same game, in the same setting. And Notre Dame is going to have an opportunity to prove that if they are the best defensive line in, in the country, they have a literally a matchup against Clemson to look forward to. And I, I tell you what, if we're if we're talking about that particular matchup, seeing Notre Dame's defensive line go up against Clemson's offensive line, and then Clemson's defensive line going up against Notre Dame's offensive line, I like the Irish, baby. I think I think they're going to have more of an opportunity to show what they've got against the Clemson offensive line than the vice versa. So again, when we start breaking down the Clemson tape and we start breaking down that game in October that's going to be a fun matchup to watch when both defensive lines are on the field. There is no doubt about that. And that's probably where that game is going to be won or lost as well is, is which line is going to dominate, you know, which side. So uh, stay tuned to that one because I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Let's talk, let's move one step back. So we're going front to back, at, you know, just cause that's what we do as coaches. So front to back, Let's talk about the linebacker group. This this is where it gets interesting for me, Ryan, is both publications for the linebackers in the secondary. We're obviously talking about linebackers. One has one ranked, the other and the other one doesn't. And then the other position group, one has one ranked and one doesn't. So this is the first one. Athlon actually has the Notre Dame linebacking core ranked 10th mm -hmm. overall. Lindy's doesn't have the linebacking core ranked at all. Yeah, which I, which I think is very, very interesting. So I, I'm assuming because I have not actually seen the magazine. You have Lindy's in front of you. Do they just rank the top 10? Yes. Yep. They okay. rank the top 10. And this is what why it makes it a little bit. A little weird, Vince, like for this comparison, because, again, they include the pass rushers of like Alabama, for instance, into this equation. So they count the of three, course. four outside linebackers. And it's different because you're comparing a Notre Dame team that runs a two linebacker set with a Rover to a right. team that has two pass rushers and two inside. So it's imperfect comparison. No doubt. So I think that just throwing that context out there for people to understand is I don't think it's a perfect comparison, at least from a Lindy's perspective, because you're comparing two completely different systems. Right. Exactly. And, yeah. and it's not like the old days where it was very clear cut. Most people ran a four, three, or they ran a five, two or whatever that's just not the case anymore. You know, you've got hybrid guys, you know, you've got, you know, Isaiah Foss is going to be dropping into coverage, right? Uh, Batelho, for example, is he going to be considered by the, by the end of the season, is he going to be a defensive lineman? Is he going to be a defensive end? Is he going to be a Rover? Like, I don't know where he's going to fit best into this defense to be perfectly honest with you, but he's a guy you got to get on the field someplace, right? So does he strengthen the defensive line? Does he strengthen the linebackers? I don't know the answer to that. Right? So, those are all, again, it's an imperfect measurement, and I agree with that. And I think the way that they're doing it hurts Notre Dame's linebackers, to be honest with you, because their strength is on the defensive line and at the end position, but those guys aren't considered linebackers. So I think it hurts the linebackers. What they're not taking into account, you know, in my opinion, is what – Maris Lewifile is going to bring to this linebacking core. I don't I don't think anybody nationally has any idea what number eight is going to do 
yep. for this group, right? So if if we're looking at this linebacking core, you've got Lindy's unranked. So, I mean, that, that means they could be 11. I mean, they're, they're only ranking the top 10. I, I would venture to say that that's probably not the case. But mm-hmm. you, you've got Athlon at 10. You've got Lindy's unranked. I think that that's a – it's tough for me because this is this kind of also goes into the whole Riley Mills conversation, right, with the defensive line and projecting as to what they could be. Mm-hmm. But Maris Lufau was going to be a starter last year, and he got hurt in preseason camp. So he's a returning starter. He's coming off the injury. We all liked what we saw, you know, going in, to, you know, during the spring. How's that going to translate to the fall? How's that going to translate to the season? So, do you number one, do you think those rankings are fair? And number two – where are you ranking the linebacking core going into the season? I actually do kind of think it's fair a little bit. I mean, so again, Athlon has them ranked 10th and then they're unranked by, by Lindy's. I, I just think there's a lot of projection to it, right? Like kind of like you just said there, I think Maris Loifau is going to be a phenomenal football player. I right. really do. So but do the, fact, matter of the fact of the matter is he's coming off an injury and we haven't seen him in two years. And when we did, he was just kind of a, fiery redshirt freshman who was just running you know run and hit type of player we need to see him take a step forward obviously as a player i think he is sure. i mean everybody that listens to the show i think knows that there's probably no bigger maris loifal truther on this show than myself like i love <laughs> truther maris like upside man he is a i think he's a player that will linebacker but also he could play some Mike with how the game has kind of evolved at this point. Like, I think he's a difference maker, a playmaker on the second level. If he had a hundred plus tackles and 10 plus tackles for loss next year, I'd be like, yep, makes yeah. about sense to me. Right. Wouldn't, wouldn't, but wouldn't uh, surprise me at all, especially considering that position led the team in tackles last year with JD. Right. So yep. that wouldn't surprise me in any way, shape or form. If, if he was the statistical leader of that core, no doubt about it. Yeah, and then even with the Mike position, you have a little bit of projection again because it's like, okay, JD's moving over to Mike, right? Like, it, how is he going to look there? It's a different position than he played last year. How How is Bo Bauer going to fit into this conversation? Right. Is Junior Tuiala-Maka going to take a large percentage of snaps at some point during the season? So I think there's just a lot of unknown commodities to a degree. And even the known commodity that you have in JD Bertrand, who had over 100 tackles last year, is also playing a new position, right? right. And I think – at Ro- as long as Rover is included in this, and I'm assuming that it is. I would say so, yeah. Yeah. Jack Kaiser, I mean, he had good moments, but he needs to play better. Like, there's Absolutely. no doubt about yeah. it. You need you need to get more production from the Rover position. I, I don't think that that's a, like a hot take at all. So <laughs> I, I, th- I think that it's fair for them not to be in the top 10. I'm happy that they did make the top 10 for one of them. But when you compare them to, especially with Lindy's, again, that is including outside linebackers like, Alabama has Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, Henry Toto Toto coming back, right? Like there's some really good linebacker units, honestly, because I'm looking even like Iowa, Jack Campbell, Justin Jacobs coming back, NC State's returning Peyton Wilson, Drake Thomas. Oregon has um, uh, Penny Sewell's younger brother, Noah Sewell, and Justin Flo coming back from injury. There's a lot of good linebacker units. So I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's hot takey or I don't think it's, it's, I think it's understandable that Notre Dame didn't make the top 10. I think they have the upside to being a top 10 unit, especially if Maris Loifau comes back and he's the player that we're looking at here. I think they are for sure a top 10 team. And if JD plays good football at the mic and it's mixed in with the youth of a junior to Alamaka and Bo Bauer kind of mixing in in that position and even a Prince Kali kind of mixing and matching. Right. And yep, yep. I think that there's a lot of depth to that linebacker position, Correct. not even counting 
the freshmen that are coming in, like is Jalen Snead going to play a little bit? Is is Junior going to play a t- a, a, at all? Nolan Ziegler, like there's a lot of right. talent in that linebacker room. So I think they could finish top ten, but I, I'm 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 actually okay with them not being in the top ten to start the season. I was actually surprised when I was told that they that they were ranked that they were top ten. I, that that actually surprised me because I would not have had them there. I, again, I, I could be talked into certain things, but at the same time, to me, it they felt to me like a top 15 group, mm-hmm. like a, a 14, 15. Like that is kind of where I feel like the linebackers belong going into the season. Now, again, you have to take po- you know, past production and then projected production for sure. I mean, I, I think Maris is going to be a huge asset to this group. I do. And I think that you know, again, are we, are we, Batelho, is he a linebacker? I will say he's a linebacker because right now he's practicing at Rover, right? So I think he's going to be an asset to this group. I think Junior Tualamaka is going to be an asset to this group. I think in, in spaces, Bo Bauer is going to be an asset to this group, right? And the questions about JD moving to Mike, I think are legitimate, right? We, he, he has all this production at will, but how does that translate to being a Mike? It's different. You're playing inside of a box. It's, it's, it's just a little bit different, right? So I think there's enough questions right now that I have them as a top 15 group. Now, if those questions get answered the way I think and hope that they will get answered, I think that they could project to be a top seven or eight group. And I think, I think D rock uh, hit the nail on the head for me. It's like, he's inside my head. Linebackers rank 10 to 15 hope by the end of the season, they're top seven. That's exactly where I'm at. That's exactly how I feel that the linebackers are. I think that, if there's a quote unquote weakness for this group going into the season, it's the linebackers, but I think they could easily be a strength, not the strength, but a strength of this defense moving forward. I I like how they're being coached. I like how they're being recruited. I think they're going to be deep. And I don't think this linebacking core has been deep in the past when they sustained an injury, they were in trouble, right? I think the depth of the linebacking core is really important. I think we're going to see a lot of that depth, not because somebody gets hurt, but because they're just going to be rotating guys in and out. And that's going to help them because guys are going to be fresher at the end of the game too. Sideline to sideline speed from this linebacking core is really, really good. This is an athletic linebacking core. And I think people are going to be excited to see them moving sideline to sideline, making plays in the backfield. I think this defense opens up a little bit more, even more so than it was last year. And I think, the linebackers are going to start making plays behind the line of scrimmage. They had opportunities last year. They didn't come through kind of in big moments, right, when that, when I think that they should have. I think they turn a corner with this group because most of those guys are back. They've got great depth coming up from the younger uh, classes and the recruiting. I like where this linebacking core is going. I can't say they're a top five group, you know, at the end of the yeah. season. I'm not ready to go there yet. I will say top eight. At the end, I say I'm fine with them being a top 10 to 15 group going into the season. I think they've got a lot to prove. I think they will, but I still think they have a lot to prove. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that these lists are always built off known commodities, right? Like and again, they have to be, from, I think. From a national perspective, yeah, yeah 100%. Right. It's not, again, it's not like these guys are, you know, Notre Dame beat writers, right? That are watching the game and evaluating the film and doing all that type of stuff. They're literally looking. Okay, who do they have coming back? They have J.D. Bertrand, who had 100-plus tackles. Besides that, you have Jack Kaiser and Bo Bauer. Like yeah. Most of the people probably don't even talk much about Maris Leifau because they don't know what to expect from him from a national perspective. So, again, it, it's a 
it's a little bit of an understanding of how these things are ranked, but I think the upside of this team is, is fantastic from the linebacker perspective. And I think Jay Henry said it perfect here in the chat. He said linebacker speed is going to surprise a lot of people. And I, I yeah. agree completely. I yep. mean, it's not even just Maris. Like there is speed everywhere yes. on that second level. So I, I'm excited about it. I mean, you talked a lot about Jordan Botello. I mean, he could be an absolute weapon mixing in at Rover, maybe even, you know, somewhere will like push him inside at times in certain right. packages. You could put him at defensive end at certain packages and really, you know, it's all about him making sure he's, he's right off the field to be right on the field. But if we're just talking from a football perspective, he could be special, man. You, he's kind of a, a jack of all trades. I don't know if he's a master of none, but he's a jack of all trades and you can use his versatility to your advantage. There's no doubt about that. Agree. Agree. So that's the linebacking core. Let's talk secondary. And I think secondary is where I, I have a feeling in the chat that secondary is where we're going to have the most differing of opinions, right? That, that, oh, yeah. Because there's a lot of <laughs> – yeah, right, exactly. I, I think a lot of people underestimate this secondary because they don't hear certain names you know, on the TV broadcast and things like that. And, look, I get it. You don't hear from a guy. You don't think that they're playing well. Well, that's a good thing. And we've talked about that in the past. And I don't want to talk down to our, our viewers because they're a bright group. And they know that Cam is the man. So they know going in that I'm going to be, you know, president of the Cam Hart fan club uh, for good reason. Lindy's has Cam Hart ranked as the number 10 corner in all of college football. And if you're the top, if you're a top 10 corner, you're getting drafted pretty high up. Right. You're you're an early day two, maybe late day one guy if you're a top 10 corner. Right. And I think he's only going to get better moving forward in this season, because I think that depending on how you use Joseph in the at safety is going to depend on how Cam Hart is used at corner as well. So I think teams are going to maybe try to test number five a little bit here and there. And I think he's going to prove where he, he belongs and where he's ranked. As a group, here's the biggest disparity as well. Lindy's has the secondary ranked fourth overall. Athlon doesn't have them ranked at all. That's so, crazy. So that is a huge difference, a mm -hmm. huge difference in secondary ranking. What say you, or let's get your first thoughts on the secondary, and let's talk about these rankings that Lindy's and Athlon have. Yeah, that's like a – I mean, if you go on a recruiting rankings and see the differences between the ESPNs and the rivals and the 247s, like it, it reminds me of it, man. It's like so – that's such a big discrepancy. It really is. I wanted to add in real quick before we get too far into it. I, someone that put in the, the chat, um, Brandon Plesner, said that for the for the linebackers and the fact that they're being coached by Al Golden and James Laurinaitis is huge. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that in there. I mean, that's, that's a good point. That's a that's good a big, point. From a development perspective, it's yeah, it's I, I agree completely there, Brandon. So thank you for the point there. Secondary, I mean, so I know we're talking about the college version of players, and NFL isn't like that doesn't a hundred percent matter from a production perspective. But I did just want to add in if you are on the premium message board, I dropped some early spring grades coming directly from the NFL, and they had Cam Hart pegged as a second and third rounder going into the season, and that's after one year of starting experience at cornerback. So Obviously, Cam Hart's starting to become a much more known commodity from that sense. And Brandon Joseph is absolutely a known commodity. I mean, he was a excuse me, an old American two years ago. Led the led the uh 
nation with six interceptions. I think he only played like six games for Northwestern that year because they had that abbreviated season. And then last year he has 80 tackles, three more interceptions. So <clears throat> kids literally had nine interceptions over the last two years. And then you kind of add that in with the upside of a Cam Hart. I mean, I think the upside for those two players just as a tandem is is incredible, right? right. And then you have a bunch of younger safeties kind of mixed in with some vets, right? Like you don't really know – 100% what to expect from a Ramon Henderson. Xavier Watts is kind of a wild card. So I, I get why – I do understand why Athlon had them not ranked for a second because you're like two of the four is, is really good. But then after that, it's like, okay, it's how good is Ramon Henderson going to yeah. be? What is DJ Brown going to do if he gives you some valuable reps? Is Houston Griffith going to play? What's the corner opposite Cam Hart going to look like? That's my biggest question. I think that Ryan Barnes has the opportunity to be a really good player if he – is able to take that next step. And I think Clarence Lewis can be a contributor in multiple ways in the secondary. But I think the big question here is two out of four are really good, but what do the other two look like? So I would actually probably cut the difference here, Vince, I think, yeah. right? Like we had one that was unranked and one that was four. I'd say it's a little lower to begin the year. I would say probably like seven to eight. I would be like, okay, I, I get there. And that's a solid baseline. But then I think that Lindy's does have it right long-term. I think Lindy's, ranking them number four, if they put it all together, if both those guys take steps, Brandon Joseph and Cam Hart, which you would expect, and you just get good at the other positions, you don't even need great. I think that that is, I think that's an incredible upside for that that uh, barometer. So I um, just wanted to answer this one real quick from Jay Henry, who said, who's the best secondary in Lindy's Jay? They have Alabama ranked as number one with Jordan Battle, DeMarco Hellums, and that crew, Brian Branch, and all those guys coming back. So just to answer your question there. So I think Vince, seven, eight right now, but then I think they could be a top four unit if they put it all together. Yeah, I mean, that four is about as high as I would go. I, I was actually, and again, I everybody knows, and it, it's kind of a joke, but at the same time, I, I love Cam Hart. I think he's a really good player. Brandon Joseph clearly you know, helps bring that secondary up, no question about it. And, and Cam Hart coming back as a second-year starter – being the number one corner two years in a row, the kid's playing with an amazing amount of confidence. And then having a guy like Brandon Joseph behind you, you don't have to worry about what's going on at safety. And I think that part is huge as well. It's just the question marks that the other positions are too big for me to ignore. And that's the problem with this preseason ranking for me. I, I, there, I'm not going to sniff for, I, I don't, you know, they've got Brandon Joseph ranked as the number two safety in the country at Lindy's. And then Cam Hart is the number two at number 10 corner. Well, if that's the case, then yeah. I mean, how can you not have them ranked high? I get that. But at the same time, I just – there's just too many questions in the secondary for me to say as a group they're going to be that high. I, I I love the upside of Brandon Joseph. I love the upside of Cam Hart. I think, you know, Ryan Barnes I think has a tremendous upside, but he is a 100% unproven. I've seen him in practice. I love what he looks like at practice, but he's 100% unproven on Saturdays. Right. Clarence Lewis has had a ton of opportunities, but he's going to have to take a step up if he's going to be the corner every day opposite Cam Hart. Right. Then you've got young guys like Jaden Mickey. Um, you, you've got, you know, at safety, you know, uh, Xavier Watts. Right. What, what's he's kind of a lost figure in this whole thing. Right. We all wanted him to move over to, to wide receiver. Well, he's sticking at safety. So is he going to start? Is he going to is it going to be Ramon Henderson? Is he going to be in that rotation? You know, what happens to DJ Brown? Like, there's just, there's so many question marks. 
outside of Brandon Joseph and Cam Hart that I can't come anywhere near fourth. I would honestly, even with how good those two are, and then maybe this is the pessimistic, you know, BK PTSD or how, however you want to phrase it, right? I would have them unranked going into the season. I, I just, I, I'm really nervous about certain aspects of this secondary and what they're going to look like. And they are going to get absolutely tested in the first game of the season when they go to the horseshoe against Ohio State, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to find out real quick how good this secondary really is. And is it unfair to be grading the secondary after one game? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, it's a little unfair, but I think they have the opportunity to get a lot better. Right. But all those guys that I just named that are question marks, if they all come through, I mean, the secondary is going to be really good, right? Mm-hmm. I would say for me, the ceiling for the secondary coming out is top five. I would say the going into the season for me, I've got them unranked. They're also kind of a top 15 for me, even with how high those other two guys are ranked, the question marks abound at those other two spots. So I'm going top 15 and I would say the ceiling is top five, probably that five, six range uh, for me coming out of the season. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how these teams go, uh, how every one of them pro, um, kind of projects moving forward because I'm, I'm just looking at the three that are ahead on Lindy's. So you have Alabama, like I said, they have Jordan Battle, they have um, DeMarco Hellams, they have Brian Branch, who are all really good safeties. They also have Eli Ricks that's transferring over, <clears throat> excuse me, from LSU. So that's a lot of names. I would even argue that Texas A&M deserves to be number one over Alabama because they have Antonio Johnson, who's a fantastic safety, Tyreek Chappelle, Jalen Jones, a corner. They have um, the other safety, Damani Richardson. Like they have some dudes there. Can't argue either one of those, obviously, for Notre Dame. And then George is the one that starts to get a little more comparable because they have Keely Ringo coming back and Chris Smith, a solid player. But I mean, they're losing guys like Darian Kendrick off the team last year and um, the safety Lewis scene that went in the first round. So George is where I think the talking point comes as far as like the upside. I mean, Vince, this list goes off a – it falls off a cliff after Notre Dame at four for Lindy's at least. They Does have it? Ohio State number five. Oh. See, now I'm going to disrespect the whole list completely. I mean, Ohio State secondary is garbage, or at least it was last year. Now, maybe a year under their belt is going to do some good for them, but holy moly, that makes me wonder about Notre Dame's ranking at four. You, you, I mean, you want to talk about projection. Like, I like the Ronnie Hickman kid from Ohio State to safety, but, like, I mean, Brown, the other corner, like, I mean, they haven't been guys yet. I mean, it's a big projection. So I understand why Notre Dame's in that conversation for one of them, but I think in a vacuum it's more of, like, in a typical year, where's Notre Dame ranking? I would say, again, seven to eight right now I think is fair. And then I think that they could be a top four team if they put it all together. But again, that is projection kind of into the conversation as well. That is amazing. I'm still wrapping my mind around Ohio state being five. Like, do I think Notre Dame secondary is better than Ohio state secondary? Yup. So I guess if if they're going to put Ohio state at five, then I guess I don't have a problem with Notre Dame being at four, but my bigger problem is with Ohio state at five. So yeah, some of the, I mean, again, it kind of falls off the table. You have Ohio State at five, Utah at six, who has one really good corner, but not much else after Clark Phillips, Michigan, Penn State, Miami, and Michigan State at 10. So not a ton of great secondaries, at least yeah. looking forward. Yeah. Right now. It, so, you know, it's, it's that, it's kind of like that, uh, you know, my son just ran at, at the Indiana State track meet, right? 
And for example, like the 800 was like the best 800 they've had in years at, at the state meet in like sixth place would have won state like any other year. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I feel like the secondary ranking is like the bar is like, so, you know, is Notre Dame a top four secondary this year because based on everybody else, well, maybe, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Uh, maybe yeah. it's just, it's interesting the way all these rankings come about, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's very, very interesting. So there you have it with the three position groups. I'm going to throw you a curveball, Ryan. And I don't even know if they, Uh-oh. if they ranked them like this in those magazines, I assume they did. How about mm-hmm. let's do defense as a whole. Okay. Right, let's do defense as a whole. Do they do defensive rankings as a whole in, in those books, or is it just by- not in this one? No, okay. they just did unit ranks. All right, I, I want to do the defense as a whole. And again, I know I'm throwing you a curveball here. Where do you see? We just talked about all three position groups. Where do mm-hmm. you see this Notre Dame defense going into the season, and where do you see them coming out of the season? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were number 15 in total defense or top 15 in total defense last year, right? So, yes. so, with everything they have coming back, I think they have to be a top 10 defense to start the season. The question comes next is how high can they go? Like, I mean, right. I think it's very realistic to say with Isaiah Foskey, Cam Hart, Brandon Joseph, Maris Loyfell coming back from injury, Jason and Justin Adam Alola, it, it can be a top five defense. I mean, wouldn't you say? Like, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're a top five defense when it's all said and done. I'm trying very hard to not sound fanboyish. I've got my analyst hat on. It's this one right here. This is the analyst hat. I feel like going into the season – if we're just talking proven commodities, right? You, you've got an All-American at safety. You've got a top 10 corner. You've got some pretty darn good linebackers coming back. You've got a potential All-American with Isaiah Foskey. Uh, you've got a potential All-American, in my opinion, with Jason Adam Lola. So, I mean, you've got multiple potential All-Americans on this team, right? This is a top 10 defense going in. And I don't even think that that is projecting and being fanboyish in any way. I think this is a top 10 defense. And I think they've been a top 15 to top 10 defense for the past few years. I mean, the defense has been their calling card, right? I think if if a lot of the questions get answered in a manner in which the, we think that they're going to get answered, right? If, if Marist has the upside that and he proves it on the field, if Patelho does what he needs to do, if Justin takes a step forward, if Cam Hart really becomes that lockdown corner, if they can find a serviceable corner on the other side who just isn't going to get burnt all the time, right? If they find a really good compliment at safety, all of those things come into play. And I don't think that that's stretching the truth a whole lot, that those things would happen. I think they're a top five defense. I do. And they're going to need to be a top five defense if this team has CFP aspirations, and winning a game in the college football playoff, right? That's the next step. If they're going to win a game in the college football playoff, if they're going to dominate a New Year's Six game, all of these different things, all these things that you want to check off, I think they have to be. I think they have to be a top-five defense, and I think they can be. Oh, muted myself. I agree completely. And, and Mace AK has something interesting. I know this would be a Brian question if you wanted to pop it on. It's possible the D will have. Is it? It's possible the D will have lower ranking than last season, but end up being better overall. Mace, I, I don't disagree. I think that's it. Changes year to year, right? That's why we're kind of just trying to evaluate in a vacuum a little bit, like what a typical year would look like. Because you're absolutely right. It could be. I mean, there could be several teams that take massive steps forward, and and maybe it's not as 
offensive of a dictated season as it, as it was last year. Like it is a very independent season to season. So I agree with you. It's possible that the defense is better as a whole, but is a lower ranked team just based upon what ha- what's happening around the country. I, I think that you have a valid point there. Yeah, I, it's going to be very interesting to see this defense develop. And I also think, and I, this isn't, I don't want to project to another show, but I think the I think the offense is going to take a step in the right direction. And if they do what we think they're going to do, the defense is going to be more rested. They're going to have more of an opportunity to fly around the football. It's not going to be, well, hopefully the defense can hold them here, you know, because we're done scoring points. So hopefully the defense can hold them. I, I think it's going to be, the offense takes a step, but then allows the defense to be that much better. And I, I understand where Mace is coming from. I really do. I, I think that that's a possibility that that's the case because maybe they're not going to be on the field as long. And so they are not going to have an opportunity to be as good as they were. Right. I, I think that's all very possible. And I also think the schedule that Notre Dame has this season has better offenses. And so they may just have better offensive numbers just because the offenses are better than what Notre Dame has faced in the past. Right. And, when you talk top 10 defenses, it's not just the eyeball test. It's how many yards are you giving up per game? And that could go up, but points per game could go down. It just all depends, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and that's why I wanted to throw up Mace's last comment where he said lots of other teams won't play as many good offenses as Notre Dame. Right. And there you go. He's Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great point. It's one of those things where there's context to rankings sometimes, right? Like, right. So, yeah. Mace, it's a great point. I think that it really is dependent upon the schedule you play. And there's a lot of different contexts to kind of rank teams. Cause I mean, does it really matter if a team is ranks as a top five team, but they played a bunch of cupcakes all year and Notre Dame ranks number eight, but they played the schedule they played. Like I think that's where the context comes into the conversation. Absolutely. So I think we can both agree top 10 going in. If they're going to be who they, who we think they can be, they can be a top five team. And if they're not a top five team, I don't think that Notre Dame achieves what we think that they should achieve as a team, to be honest with you. So, yep. you know, it's going to take both sides of the ball. That That's absolutely facts. So we're going to do a mailbag, a little daily mailbag here. Ryan, you good for a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So we got some things started already. I know we've got some super chats. So let's pull up some of these as well. Let's start with uh, Christopher morgan's super chat thank you very much christopher really appreciate that hey guys just wanted to say hello how are you feeling about this 98 degree heat with real feel being 111 degrees i'm a hermit today with my ac set on 65 watching you guys having a beer lol stay cool i have to say that if i wasn't working um that sounds pretty darn good to me (laughs) (laughs) it's it's hot. It's hot. It's sticky. There's no point in being outside if you don't have to. Everything's getting canceled left and right around here. So stay inside. Stay cool. No doubt about that. Yep. Agree completely. It's only high 80s uh, today in New Jersey. So not quite as bad, but we'll send the heat your way. The heat's coming, yeah. buddy. <laughs> make sure, Hey, man, make sure you get inside. You relax. Stay hydrated. I mean, it is even here where it's not quite as hot as where it is you. It's, it is not pleasant outside yes. at all. That is accurate. I, I'm not a fan of the heat in any way, shape, or form. Another super chat here from Mark Stewart. Thank you very much, Mark. Really appreciate it. If the secondary plays to that number four prediction, Notre Dame is going to be nasty. Agree. Yeah. Agree. I mean, to Mace's com- point earlier, right? If, if you have the number four ranked, let's just say, pass defense in college football, and you played Ohio State and USC and those types of passing teams, 
then man, yeah, you are going to be a dangerous and yeah. difficult team to beat each and every week. No doubt. And if you've got a, a number four secondary that can hold their own back there, you're going to get a lot of help from the defensive line, right? I mean, th- those guys are going to be terrorizing quarterbacks all season long. And they're going to make the secondary's job easier at times and dif- more difficult at times, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. facts. So if the secondary can hold their own behind that defensive line, that that's that's a recipe for a lot of success. For Notre Dame, there's no question about that. Okay, let's get into some of these starred questions. Of course, there's a recruiting question because Ryan's on the show, and there should be. (laughs) Salty Virginia Peanuts wants to know any word on Richard Young's visit. I believe he came in yesterday. Is that accurate? He actually ended up coming in today. Oh, okay. I was was trying to get – so originally he was scheduled from the 13th to the 15th. I We're still trying to figure out confirmation if that means that he's going to stay an extra day since he only got here on the 14th or not. But uh, Salty, uh, I would say check back in with us after the 15th or the day of the 15th because this is one where Richard doesn't really talk to the media much. So this is one where we probably won't get too much intel until the visit is completed on how exactly it went. But word is that he got in today and we'll have we'll keep be sure to keep you guys updated, everybody out there on how that visit went when it has concluded. Fincher, you're yeah, I, you see, I, it's contagious. All right. So uh, another recruiting question here from Jay. He says, Vincent Ryan, seeing a lot of predictions for Rico Flores to Notre Dame. Could his signing negatively impact Christian Hamilton's recruitment? No, not necessarily. I, Cause I think that the, the key to Notre Dame is that they want to take four to five wide receivers in this class. So Rico, they project more as an outside in type of guy. Like he could definitely play in the slot at times, but he, is absolutely going to play on the outside too at Notre Dame. He's more of like that field wide receiver than he is a true slot. Christian Hamilton's a true slot player. So they can, they've been, they've been selling to Christian already and he's scheduled to be on campus here soon about the potential of him playing with other guys, right? And his position's kind of very specific to the offense. So now, Jay, I, I don't think that it, it compromises Christian at all for the fact that Flores may end up with Notre Dame. I think that you, those both those players can play at the same time. I don't think it, it blockades anybody. Okay. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 99 problems, but BK ain't one. Great name, still love it. It seems we talk about Patello's potential a lot. What would be a good camp for him if everything clicked? I mean, how good do you think he could be? And then he follows it up with, or she, I apologize. I asked because I'm really high on Batelho's ability and the thought of pairing Batelho up as a chaos disruptive player with Foskey and Mills manning the ends seems insanely appealing. I, I would say this. I, I compared him the other day. I think you were on that show too, Vince. I th- we were talking about it. I think that he could be a Zach Bond type of player that used to play Wisconsin a couple years ago. So Wisconsin plays a 3-4 base. And they had Zach Bond, who was kind of like a 3-4 outside linebacker, but then they also drop him back to the second level, and he would kind of do some things in space and rush the passer and do kind of a variety of things. And I think that's Botello. I mean, 
I even commented like maybe Patello's never a double digit sack player, but then Brian was basically like, if he's got his head on straight and he could be that pass rusher, then he could be a double digit sack guy. He could be a starting Sam. He could be a will. Like I think the upside's there. So I would say versatility is a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. When talking Jordan Patello, I think he can affect the games in a lot of different ways. So I think he could be a half line, um, half Viper or half, Sam backer half, you know, um, I know that's more than two halves, but you know, he can play the <laughs> Rover spot. Like he's, he's got that versatility to him. So I would say something like a Zach bond, as far as like how he can affect the game that used to play at Wisconsin. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see because I think his best, his quickest path to getting on the field is being comfortable at multiple positions. And that takes time. Like a, a, that takes mental preparation. That takes physical preparation, both on and off the field. And, that's where my question marks for Jordan Mattello come in is the off the field stuff. So can he flush that? Because if he can, success looks like success at multiple positions. Because I think his success for the Notre Dame team is at multiple positions, being able to spell different guys and not having a drop off, right? I think he is insanely talented. My only concern is pairing him and Marist, for example, having two potential, and I I don't mean this in a bad way, but like out of control chaos creators at the same time, that you kind of need that that Iceman, that like guy that you always know is going to be in the right place at the right time to back up some of those chaos creators, right? And having two of those guys on the field at the same time can be good at times, but it can also be a liability and you can get burned. And so success for Jordan Botelho is going to be can the coaches trust you to be in the right place at the right time and yet still be able to create the chaos at multiple positions? That's asking a lot for a guy that didn't play last year, right? So I I hope that wasn't too like long-winded of an answer, but I think I think success for Jordan Batelho is multifaceted. And I think he can do it, but we need to see it. Agree. Got another super chat here from Christopher Morgan. Thank you so much, Christopher. If you're Al Golden, how do you game plan and prep your defense for September 3rd? Play it by ear or just play with your hair on fire showing Ohio State this is the new Notre Dame defense? Well, I mean, you have to play with great energy, right? Like, I mean, that's I think that's a given um, from that instance. Christopher, I think for more from a structural perspective, again, I know we're going to dive a lot more in depth on how to attack the Ohio State offense, but – I really think mixing and matching coverage is going to be huge for them. You know, I don't think that you can, you definitely can't stay in man the whole game against guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba. So you need to mix in some zone. I think that the biggest indicator of success for me is how easily you can get home against CJ Stroud with rushing four, right? Like if you can win with four against five and you have an advantage from a numbers perspective in the secondary, I think that's going to be a big indicator of success. So I'd say getting home, getting pressure on CJ Stroud, and playing fast, man, like there's going to be mistakes at times. Football is not a perfect game at all, sure, but it, sure. I, I, I like fast, aggressive mistakes. Absolutely. No question. I, they're not going to play it by ear. <laughs> they, they, right. They've got too much time to prepare, and this is too big of a game to play it by ear, and they wouldn't play any game by ear. This isn't previous staffs. They're, they're going to have a game plan, and it's going to be a good one, I would imagine. I think, you know, controlled chaos is, is a good way to do it. I think you have to throw as many looks – at this Ohio state offense as you possibly can, because they just want to run by you. You know, they want to hand the ball off to their amazing running back. There's no question about that. So you're going to have to have a plan to contain him and you're going to have to have a plan to contain the speed on the outside. 
and I think that all starts with getting in the face of CJ Stroud, right? I mean, it, it that's that's where it starts and finishes for me. You've got to disrupt the timing of this offense. So I think if you can throw multiple looks at them, both from a coverage standpoint, from a blitz standpoint, from you know a front standpoint, all of those different things, be as multiple as you possibly can, be as chaotic as you possibly can, but under control, and you know make CJ win the game for you. Can he do that? Of course he can. He's he's a Heisman Trophy candidate, right? But I think you have to put the whole game on his shoulders. He's going to have to win the game for them. I, I think for when CJ's at his best, he's methodical, right? Like he's right. a he's a pocket passer. He wants to stay in there. He wants to go through his reads and get the football out of his hands. Right. If you make him uncomfortable, exactly. that is the biggest key for me. You you can't just be drop back, go through your reads, throw the football. It, it's got You have to press and you have to escalate his process right yes. like you need to fit quicken him up speed a little him up. bit yep. exactly you need to speed him up and you need to confuse him like that's where i think mixing and matching coverages and getting pressure with four guys i think that's the biggest thing for me against cj stroud absolutely could not agree more and this is kind of a similar question big dustin wants to know how you guys feel about al golden at dc i think he was a great pick i think that he's got a ton yep. of experience i think he's got a ton of experience on the defensive side of the ball he's got head coach experience that Marcus Freeman can lean on. I think he was a good pickup for multiple reasons. Let's see what the product looks like on September 3rd and moving forward. Of course, we haven't seen that yet, but I think he was a great choice for what Marcus Freeman was looking for in a defensive coordinator. Yeah, I I, th- I think that it was a really interesting hire because I remember when we were talking about it and I, Brian brought it up, right? The last time he called the defense was what, like tw- 2002 or, sure. or some crazy number like that. So it was definitely an interesting hire. Everything that I've heard of Al Golden, and I mean, I even go back to his Temple days when he was a, the head coach here, right outside, right outside of where I live. And I mean, he's just considered a very bright, smart dude as far as a football guy, right? So I think in the in the vein of what Marcus Freeman wants to do defensively, with parlaying that with the wisdom that that Coach Golden has from his experience, I think it's going to be big time, and he's got a really good defensive staff around him, right? Like you got Freeman from the support side of everything. You have Al Washington. You have James Laurinaitis, who's a grad assistant for your team somehow. You got Mike Mickens, Chris O'Leary. I have high expectations for what the defense can do under Golden. Chief Brody's got a super chat here. Thank you, Chief. He's uh, going to talk. He's commenting on our uh, our weather conversation here with how hot it is. He goes, what good is it to be from Michigan? If the lakes don't even warm up until October, bring on the 100-degree days or I'm moving to Texas, man. He's not wrong because (laughs) right now, if you went up to Lake Michigan and you tried to jump in, it would be like jumping into an ice bath. Yeah. It's it's so cold. It is so cold. We had an option, actually, to – we're renting a lake house up there this year, and we were going to go like right now, like early to mid-June, or we were going to go towards the end of July – and we picked July because of that exact point right there. Hopefully <laughs> that the lake is a little bit warmer than it is in mid-July because it is so cold this time of year. It's brutal. One, one of the reasons that we don't like Michigan. Another reason to add on. Just another this. reason. I know. I <laughs> And I spend a whole week up there every year. And I, I just try to keep my blinders on, man. Just stay <laughs> forward. Stay focused. Coleman Smith wants to know where do y'all expect Prince Kali to play will or Mike? This is an easy one. I'll throw it up to you. Yeah, no, he's going to play. Will. right now at Mike, you have JD Bertrand making the, the switch over there. You got Bo Bauer 
and you got Junior Tuialamaka. Then you at the will spot, you have Maris Loifal, and then you have Prince Prince Kali kind of mixing in there. And I'm yeah. very excited about Prince. He's yes. a really explosive, physically well put together player. So I'm excited to see him to get some playing time as well. Look, and I, and I think the I think they're going to treat the linebackers. And I have no inside information on this whatsoever, but because of the depth at linebacker, I think they're going to treat it a lot like the defensive line. I think you're going to see some rotation there. I think you're going to see a lot of guys getting a lot of time. I think Prince is going to get time, uh, you know, at will when Marist is out. I mean, look, Marist can't be the the home wrecker that everybody wants him to be every down of every of every game. It, that's just not possible, right? He's going to need a breather, and I think. Prince Collie is not that much of a step down. I think he's going to be a fantastic linebacker, but a different linebacker than, than Maris. And so he's going to bring a different attributes to that, that will spot. I think he's going to get a lot of playing time. Just like I think if Batelho stays at Rover, he's going to get a lot of playing time uh, behind Jack. I think Jack is going to be your starter, but I think Patelho, like I said, is going to hop around in different spots. And I yep. think that Bo is going to get a lot of time, you know, behind JD at, at Mike. And I think, I think, Junior is going to get some time as well as the season wears on. So I think that they're going to use a bit of a rotation at linebacker. And again, I feel like that only makes them better because they're going to have opportunities to get rest and their legs are going to be fresh, especially down the stretch when you've got, you know, Clemson in October, right? You've got, uh, you know, uh, USC last game of the season. You want to be fresh, right? So I, I think that's that'll be a very, very good thing for Notre Dame. And I wanted to pull up this question from John Leahy, who said, how do Kali and Maris compare as players in a rotation? Uh, John, I was actually about to say, before you even put this in the chat, I wouldn't even be opposed to Kali and Maris playing together at times, right? Because I think that the differences between the two are Maris is a little bit longer. He's a, uh, I think he's a little smoother, but I think Kali is a more explosive player, like point A to point B. The kid can move, and he's a little physically more well put together. He's a little denser, right? So I think that Kali can do a little more downhill than a Maris Loifau. Maris Loifau is like almost a pure run-and-chase will type, right? Like that's where he's playing in pursuit. Kali, on the other hand, is a little more downhill, a little more physically imposing. So I wouldn't even be surprised if long-term Kali ends up being a Mike. Like I really would not be surprised about that. But as far as where the rotation goes, again, I think – navigating space as in pass coverage, I think is going to be more of Maris thing, but I think Kali is a downhill stopper yes. with the explosiveness he has. I think that those are kind of how they mix and match their skill sets. Like I, I think that, yeah, I think that Prince could be a Mike. I, I, there's no question about it. I think junior is a different Mike, right? They, they, they will play Mike differently, but they both could be really effective at middle linebacker. They would just play it differently. I, I, that's the best way to put it right now without actually like throwing on film and showing people kind of the differences. And we maybe we'll do that as the season wears on. But uh, I just, I feel like they could both be very effective at that spot, but in a different way, you know, I think Prince is more your new school, Mike. And I think juniors, your old school, Mike is a, is a good way to put it. So, okay. Prediction time, apparently thanks to Archer four, five, two, what are your predictions for the season in these three scenarios? Best case, worst case, and most likely. Can I pull a Brian and say, I don't know yet. I need to, I need to evaluate a little more. <laughs> um, no, nah, I'm just kidding, Brian, if you're listening. Um, I, I would say this best case. I mean, best case, I think, is you're 11-1, 12-0, and you're a potential playoff team. Like, I think that that's the best case. I yeah, think that sure. I'm going to go to the more likely case. The more likely case, I think, is that you 
10 and two to 11 and one, right? Like if you're able to split against Clemson, Ohio state, I think would be huge. But I think the most likely is that you're 10 and two or 11 and one. And the worst case is that this just isn't the team that we're expecting. And they go like eight and four. Right. And that's kind of, I don't think it go, I don't think it ever goes under eight and four because I just don't, I just have confidence in what the staff could do and what the talent that they've coming back. So I'd say eight and four worst case, realistic 10, 10 and two or 11 and one best case you're 12 and zero, and you're in the, you're in the playoffs. Yeah, you you were way more detailed than where I'm going to be. I, I put best case is twelve and zero, worst case is nine and three. I really do feel like that's worst case. I, if they're worse than that, then I, I, I maybe I need to be looking for a different job because I, I I really feel like that's worst case. And then I think most likely is like eleven and one. I think that's a most likely scenario. I think they split their two really tough games, and they're eleven and one, and they're going to be in the conversation for some good postseason time. So um, I guess we'll see. And that, that's that's my June 14th outlook, right? I mean, that could change tomorrow, depending on some stuff that we learn and, and how things go. So, all right, let's get this last one here. Mm-hmm. Ryan from Jason Saxton. Which three players scheduling commitments between July 1st and 4th? Or I'm sorry, with three mm-hmm. players scheduling commitments between July 1st and 4th? What is your confidence level that we get all three? Yeah, so, I mean, that's Rico Flores out of California, Folsom High School. It's Micah Bell out of the state of Texas, cornerback, and Christian Gray out of St. Louis. I'll go most confident to least confident here. I would say most confident about Christian Gray right now. I think they're in a great spot there. I would say that Notre Dame is the clear leader going into that one. Micah Bell would be number two for me because I really think that they have a chance to close on Micah Bell here, I think. very. I mean, they have a they visit coming up with him here to campus and he loves Notre Dame and you know he's about to be on campus so I think that that is going to even improve further so I'd say that they're in a very good spot with Micah Bell Rico's the interesting one for me I think they're in a good spot with Rico I may even call them the leader Mm. leaving the weekend and going into that commitment the 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 hang-up that I have is that he still has the Ohio State visit and we've talked about this a little bit I think depending on how Ohio State's receiver board has kind of filled out, I think that they are either going to make a push or they're not going to take a commitment from him potentially, right? Like I think that's one of the two there. If they push for him, I think that there is a chance that Rico may strongly consider Ohio State. But if it's the situation stays the same and Ohio State has a chance to get guys like Brandon Innes and and um, a couple of the other guys, Noah Rogers, and I know they're still in on Carnell Tate. I don't see them trending well with Carnell Tate, though. If their receiver board is is looking pretty firm, then I think that Rico ends up at Notre Dame. But I still want to see that one. So I'll say they're in a good, they're in a great position with Christian Gray. They're in a really good position with Micah Bell entering the visit, and I think they're in a good position with with Rico Flores, and he could very well end up with Notre Dame. My just question, my hang, my slight hang up is how that Ohio State visit goes. All right, always good stuff from Ryan Roberts, our recruiting director at Irish Breakdown. And that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you, everyone, for logging in and listening to us talk about the Notre Dame defense and where they're ranked by position group. Make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, make sure you hit that notification bell. There will be another show tonight, as there will always be a second show in the evening here moving forward. And that is the IB Nation Sports Talk Show with Sean Styers. That is tonight at 6 o'clock. we got some good stuff on tap for you, so make sure that you check that out at 6 o'clock. And then also, hey, 
you can always watch it again on uh, YouTube. You can always, I don't know, download the podcast. That's always good. And make sure, see, this is what I love about Mace. He always hooks us up here at the end. Join the message board, hit the like, subscribe, and the notification bell. Share this podcast and leave a five-star review. Visit the IB store for some sweet merch. And as always, go Irish. I can't finish it any better than that. We will see you later tonight uh, on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.